I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Tether just got us comeuppance. I don't know if you noticed, but Bitcoin is down a little bit today. And we welcome Mark Yusko. Is this a bear trap or a bear market? That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. Again, I think that you guys noticed that Bitcoin took a little pullback, but please keep everything in perspective. Bitcoin plunged 13% in 24 hours, but even after that plunge, it was still up 50% on the month and up over 350% since august of last year so again i want everybody to breathe Wusa, wusa. breathe in breathe out everything's gonna be okay and even if it isn't do you think it's over do you think that this is over do you think that we just topped out at fifty nine thousand dollar bitcoin and in the future we'll never see fifty nine thousand dollar bitcoin again 2024 never 2028 32 nah So just think, why are you here if we can't stomach a little bit of pullback, a little bit of turbulence, a little bit of volatility? That's what bonds are for. That's what mutual funds are for. This is not financial advice. I'm not giving financial advice, but I'm trying to be the rational person here that if you're hodling Bitcoin, hodl Bitcoin for a reason, for a purpose, for a future, not for the month to month, day to day, minute to minute or one minute candle swings. (laughs) If you do that. You're going to be very stressed out and waking up in the middle of the night, refreshing your black folio with anxiety and having ulcers in your belly. Let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 1050 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at the number one spot at $49,066, down 7.5% from yesterday, a total of 15% in two days. Ethereum, $1,590, down 7.3%. BNB is at the number three spot at $233.60, down 10.8%. Polkadot's in the number five spot at $34.42, down 2.3%. And Cardano, just under a dollar at 98 cents even, down 0.4%. Total market cap, we're at $1.47 trillion, down 7.5%. BTC dominance at 61.9%. And I want to say this again, overnight we went down to $45,000, bounced back up to forty-nine. now. Are we downtrending still? Are we going back up? But I am hooking you guys up today. My listeners, we have Mark Yusko on, and he's going to give us some inspiration for the future. Here's Mark Yusko, CEO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. And in this chat, we talk about Tether, Janet Yellen, the market, the dip, and so much more. So enjoy, and I'll see you after the show with other news. Uh, good to see you this morning. Looking forward to the conversation. Me too. Look, and I'm really happy you're here today of all yeah. days because we had a very big pullback. And my basic question to you for everybody out there that's listening, yeah. bear trap or bear market? Where are we at? 
Yeah, look, I I think we are in a bull market, uh, a cyclical bull market uh, within a secular bull market. So, no, we're in a, a secular bull market for Bitcoin, the development of Bitcoin, and every single fundamental you could look at is positive, right? From hash rate to difficulty to blocks to transactions to number of wallets, to users, to number of mentions in the media, to the types of institutions that are investing, to corporations putting on their balance sheet. So everything is positive. That is all secular bull market, you know, evolution of technology. And we're still, you know, three years away from the evolution of this technology, technology cycle that I've been talking about for a long time, right? 54 mainframe, 68 microchip, 82 personal computer, 96 internet, 2010 mobile net, and 2024, the trust net. And Bitcoin's right at the you know the base layer of that. So that said, we have these cyclical bull markets that occur for 18-ish months uh, around halving events. And so the halving happened last May. Here we are, you know, nine months in, we're about halfway through. And in a bull market, a cyclical bull market, you're going to get pullbacks. And what I what I think is interesting, you know, yes, we, we had a, a meaningful pullback to levels that, oh my gosh, we haven't seen since a week and a half ago. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And what, what people forget is that the numbers change as you get to a bigger number right? in terms of percentages. So what used to be a gigantic move, right? When when Bitcoin was a $5,000 asset, a $10,000 move, that's a really big move, right? When it's 60,000 or 50,000, a $10,000 move, less interesting. It's kind of like round numbers in the stock market. Everybody celebrates, you know, every thousand points. Well, at Dow 30,000, a thousand points is just not even that meaningful a move. And so I think if you go back to 2017 or 2013, or even 2009 for that matter, uh, and you look at those periods, they aren't straight up 45 degree lines, right? They are up, down, up, down, up, down. And the thing about it is the, the lows continue to rise. And that's the thing I love about, about this market. So from a secular perspective, 12 years, in all but one of those 12 years, the low for the year is higher than the previous low, right? Which means we're in an uptrend, secular uptrend. In a cyclical bull market, you're going to have periods where you have pullbacks. And I think there were nine 25% pullbacks in 2017. I think I have that number right. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting, Matthew, is uh, you go back to the second week of January 2017, there was a 40% pullback on the FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt about China banning Bitcoin. And within, you know, it went from 1400 back to under a thousand. And then, you know, by the end of the year, we were at 11,000 and we hit 20,000 for a while, um, but finished the year at 11,000. This year, second week of January, there's FUD on US going to ban Bitcoin. What? Mm -hmm. No, they're not going to ban Bitcoin. Um, they may try to regulate certain on-ramps or off-ramps, but they're not going to ban Bitcoin. They're not going to ban exchanges. 
Um, or maybe if they do, they're just stupid, right? Like China was stupid because all that happens is the exchanges move somewhere else in the world because we have a right. borderless global network. And so we had a, a, a situation like that uh, right after Thanksgiving too, right? I mean, I woke up, it was funny, I was on uh, TV uh, at 4.45 in the morning, which is a horrible time to be on TV. Uh, no one's watching. I guess people in Europe are watching. And uh, Bitcoin had fallen from... 20,000 to 16,000 overnight right? mm -hmm. on FUD that Mnookin was going to do something to change the regulations before he got kicked out of office. And long story short, the guy says, so what should we do? Like same thing I said last time I was on and the last time I was on, you should buy. Mm -hmm. And don't buy it all today, but you should buy some today and you should buy some next week and the week after and the week after. And same advice today, right? What should you do? You should buy and you should buy a little today and you should buy a little next week and a little next week. And uh, keep accumulating because at the at, at the end of the day, uh, price is a liar. Mm -hmm. Price doesn't mean anything relative to value of anything, right? Price is simply what two people, you and I, decide to exchange some unit, whether it's art, baseball cards, Pokemon, or you know, uh, a stock or a bond or a crypto. It's just what we decide to uh, trade a small amount. That's, well, that's what price is. Value is determined very differently. And it's like a pendulum. How much time does the pendulum spend in exactly the center? Almost zero. It's either to one side or the other. And price is either overvalued or undervalued. It's very rarely on fair value. I, have, I want to just make a statement and I have a question about this because you, you said a lot there. The Bitcoin crypto space is uh, a different than say other industries it's different than say tesla's rise it's different than apple i mean look we can be bearish on on tesla's price but we're not bearish on tesla we're not we can be bearish on apple's price but we're not bearish on apple or google or any of these other companies that are out there making products yet when you're a hodler of bitcoin and you see fifty thousand dollar bitcoin we have this PTSD because not only do we see the bear market, you know, enact for three years or so before we see the next halving to go into the next uh, bull market, but we also see the media treat Bitcoin unfairly compared to, say, these other companies. Well, Tesla's the future, self-driving cars, electric cars, renewable energy, Bitcoin FUD, uh, fraud, money laundering, drugs, yeah. you know, yeah. all these other things. It's go, it's you're going to lose your money. And even the biggest investors or some of the biggest, you know, financial, you know, talking heads out there are just saying, well, don't put your money into Bitcoin, get out or you're going to lose all your money. It's yeah. a different narrative. So how can people feel confident hodling Bitcoin, even though there's historical uh, precedent? How do we feel confident moving toward the future? And, and that goes into my next question. So that's the first part of that question. How do we feel confident? And the second one is, where are we on Bitcoin's development? So if you could tie those together, please. So, and, and that, that is the key point, Matthew, in the sense that uh, what we're talking about is, is technology. What we're talking about is the development of a monetary network. And, and it's interesting. You, know, you, you talk about those companies. I'll argue that the top five most valuable companies, quote unquote, stocks, aren't companies at all, they're networks, right? Amazon is a network. They don't make anything. Mm. They're not like mm. an old school company. They don't manufacture widgets. What does Amazon actually do? They're a search engine, right? Mm. I actually have to think for it, what do they do? They're a search engine, they match buyers and sellers and they take a cut. Now they've gotten into logistics too, but bottom, and they do AWS, but, but they are a network. What is Google or Facebook 
even Apple, right? It's a network of these supercomputers that were all connected. And yes, they manufacture the widgets, but they, they make their money on the network effect. And network effects are very, very powerful. And so when we think about you know, a communications network, right? Which is cell phones. Or we think about a social network, which is Facebook. We think about a monetary network, okay? A monetary network and currency is simply uh, created by custom, right? Think about it. Green pieces of paper. Why do we exchange green pieces of paper? Now, no one actually uses green pieces of paper anymore. We use plastic cards and, and other things, True. Uh, Venmo. But, but they're actually physical green pieces of paper somewhere. Why are those accepted? But if you take those to China, they're like, get that out of here. I want a red piece of paper. And if you go to Israel, they want a yellow piece of paper. <laughs> so money is simply based on custom. And for 5,000 years, there have been 875 paper currencies. Three quarters of them have disappeared from the face of the planet. They're gone. Okay? The oldest surviving today is the pound sterling. It's been around 381 years. And back 381 years ago, a pound note got you a pound of sterling silver. Today, it would take you 174 pounds of sterling silver to get a pound note. That's called devaluation of currency. Mm -hmm. And all paper currencies, all fiat currencies will devalue. But the one asset that hasn't devalued is gold. So gold for 5,000 years, 5,000 years, okay, that's a long time, has one ounce, has bought a fine man's suit from a suit of armor to a suit during the American Revolution to a suit on Savile Row today. One ounce buys a fine man suit. Well, let's take gold. All gold in the world fits in two Olympic-sized swimming pools, about as big as you know, two times my library here. Uh, very heavy, very hard to transport, very hard to divide. All the Bitcoin in the world fits right here. Now, I don't have all the Bitcoin in the world. In fact, I have zero on my phone. If you're thinking about SIM swapping me, um, <laughs> don't, don't keep it on my phone. But uh, the key is that it is more portable. It's more divisible. I can break it down to eight decimal points, down to a Satoshi. Part of, of the reality is we created a non-duplicable asset electronically. And Eric Schmidt said it best. He said, a digital asset that can't be copied, that's a technology that a lot of companies are going to be built on. Hundreds, thousands of companies will be built on that basic technology, that base layer technology. So we are so early. I said this on Friday. I did a, a podcast celebrating, you know, trillion dollar day, and now we're under a trillion. But uh, for the for the moment, we hit a trillion dollars of of market cap in the Bitcoin network, and we will hit two trillion, and three trillion, and five trillion, and eight trillion, and it will be gold equivalents. And then the assault starts on fiat currency broadly, which is eighty six trillion around the world. And I don't know that we ever get that far, but the idea that this monetary network, that we're late to the party or that it's disappearing, once technology takes hold, it doesn't disappear. People said that you should never use a cellular phone, right? It was going to cause brain cancer or it wouldn't work and you couldn't take it anywhere and there wouldn't be enough infrastructure. I get better cell service in major cities than I do you know, landline service because they have, you know, good technology. And so if I could even find a landline or a telephone booth, um, most of your listeners won't even know what a telephone booth is. Um, <laughs> watch Superman and you'll understand. So that's a long rambling answer to say, uh, look, we, the Star Spangled Banner just finished playing. The game is about to start. You know, we're 12 years in to the development of a 
multi-century, maybe even multi-millennia asset. Right? You and I, before we came on air, we're talking about the tetherfoot. Go back to 2017, there was tetherfoot. Go back to 2013, there was tetherfoot. Today, there's tetherfoot. Does tether have a mismatch of assets and liabilities? Certainly possible, right? The AG deemed that they do and they're gonna get fined. Um, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter in the big picture. It's a, it's a small percentage of overall exposure. Could there be uh, in the short run um, pressure on liquidation of those positions? Sure. But on the flip side, it leads to amplification of moves on the upside. And then the speculators come in. A speculator is someone who doesn't have a need for hedging. And they just buy the price, right? They buy what's moving. It's, I would say it's, it's like hunter-gatherers. So and this is politically incorrect, but us guys, right? My wife will say, hey, go get the ketchup in the fridge. And I'll open the fridge. And I'll say, there's no ketchup. And she'll walk up and she'll grab the ketchup bottle. I can't see it because it ain't moving. If it's not moving, guys don't see it. And that's how speculators are. If the price isn't moving, they're not interested. But if the that's price hilarious. is moving, they will flow their dollars there. Really quick, Mark. Um, I want you to expand just briefly, please, uh, on the, the tether FUD. Because look, this is something that we've been talking about for a while. It's always been FUD, FUD about Tether. However, now there's actual movement in a legal manner of the uh, New York Attorney General is finding them, I think it's 18 or $19 million. They're saying yep. you can't use Tether and trade in New York. Uh, I don't know when it's starting, but it's, it was announced today. It's brand new yep. news. And people are going to look at that and go, oh, there it is. The dominoes are, are, are crashing down. Sorry, the cards are crashing down. Yeah. And that, that's that's it. The liquidity for Bitcoin is gone. The, the, the price of Bitcoin is going down. Just Can you just please briefly just talk on that? How, how do you think that's going to turn out? Look, I think it's like every other bank fine. You know, it's a cost of doing business. There are lots of banks, right? You know, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is used for, you know, illegal activities, illicit activities. And that's another one of the FUDs. Like, really? Think about it. Every day, way more green dollar bills, usually counterfeit, are used for illicit activities than Bitcoin. I just want to push back on that a little bit because that is a very easy talking point. But, you know, there's a difference between and we found out in, uh, in uh, you know, um, 2016 to 2020, there's a difference between truth and facts and narrative. And the narrative might win with this one. Well, look, the, the reality is, is money, is currency used in illicit activities? Of course, of course, right? That, that's the nature of the beast. And, and here's the thing is it's incontrovertible, just the size of, of dollars in the world, paper dollars, versus the size of the Bitcoin network, that more is used in paper. But the, the most important point, Katie Hahn, right, the, the principal at, at Andreessen Horowitz says it best. She says, look, I was a prosecutor for 20 years and I was going after the bad guys. And the choice between sack o money and fingers on a keyboard, I'll take fingers on a keyboard every day because I have a chance to catch those guys. Mm. But it's not that I don't think there is illicit activity being done in the Bitcoin network. Of course there is, because all technology starts at the fringe. I joke, I spent my whole career hanging out with the bad guys. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I've been an investor in early stage technology my whole life. Who was the first user of a pager? Drug dealer. Who was the first user True. of the internet? Porn. True. Okay. 
Who was the first user of one of the first users of Bitcoin? Cannabis industry. Why? Because they were locked out of the main banking system. So good new technology that does something well will be adopted by the people who can't get the existing technology, right? If you're a drug dealer, you're not going to walk into a you know, landline phone booth and you know, make a call that's being monitored. You're, you're going to go use a pager. So, but back to the, the tether thing. I think if you think about banks, you know, Deutsche Bank and, and HSBC and all these big banks, they get fined at least once a year, right? Huge amounts, way bigger than 18 or 19 million, billions of dollars for money laundering, for spoofing, for manipulating gold price, whatever it is. And what do they say? They say it's a cost of doing business. Does the gold market collapse because suddenly JP Morgan isn't allowed to spoof prices? No. Does gold you know, become more of a free market if they're out of the market from the, the other side of the spoofing? Yes. Same thing's true here. Is the leverage that's being created by uh, a tether or, or other forms of, of derivative around uh, a Bitcoin? Yes. But that liquidity, while it'll, it'll go down in the short run, let, let's say tether was abolished the liquidity would certainly shrink in the short run and that would have a deleterious impact on the price short term. But what will happen is other liquidity forms will rise over here because ultimately the end users are not all speculators, right? There are real use cases for Bitcoin today, either as a store of value, right? And the store of value is a great story. And I'm sure you've seen the you know, chart, this stock to flow chart, uh, and the power law chart, which is, if you think about stores of value going from bottom left to upper right, in terms of size, at the very tippy top, you got real estate, right below that, you got gold, then you got diamonds, then you got silver, and Bitcoin's right here. And Bitcoin used to be way down here at the bottom, and now it's right there below silver, and eventually it'll pass silver, eventually it'll pass diamonds, eventually get to gold. Does it get up to you know real estate? No, yeah, maybe, because if you think about it, would I rather store my wealth in a digital asset that has perfect liquidity or an asset that if I wanted to sell my interest in an office building right now, what would I get? I get, you know, fraction of, of the value because who's going to use offices? I mean, we're sitting in homes. Right. And right. so I, I think, are there going to be lots of stories along the way? Yes. Whether it's Tether, whether it's another ban, whether it's some government saying, hey, you know, we want our own digital uh, currency and we don't want people to use Bitcoin. But at the end of the day, technology, good technology wins and it displaces bad technology. Good money wins and it displaces bad money. Think about being in Venezuela. If you transferred your bolivars to US dollars, or even better, to Dash or Bitcoin, you win. Whereas the people who were stuck in bolivars have gotten crushed. Or Zimbabwe dollars, or pesos in Argentina, or right now in the United States, right? The plan is to devalue the dollar. Every single day, the dollar is being devalued. And the fact that Janet Yellen gets up and says, oh, that's not my plan, that means it is the plan, right? The lady doth protest too much, methinks. Shakespeare was right. And so, 
the 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 interesting thing is we have to talk about it, right? We have to do news shows and we have to talk about the movement. And like I said, guys in particular, we only see movement. So we all have to talk about what's going on day to day. But if you step back or zoom out and you just look at the long-term trend, both secular and cyclical, you'll say, we're in a bull market. We're gonna have natural corrections. And here's the thing, why does anybody think that an asset that has compounded at 213% for 12 years, 213% per year with about 80% volatility, why does anyone think that there's not gonna be a lot of down days and down weeks and down months? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. It's a volatile asset, but the volatility is your friend. Investors, great investors seek volatile assets that are uncorrelated to one another, combine them into a portfolio and reduce their risk. That's the whole purpose of Markowitz diversification. He won the Nobel Prize for this concept. You take cash, riskiest asset on the planet, because it's devalued every day by inflation, and you add bonds, which is more risky than cash, your risk of the portfolio goes down. Add stocks, risk goes down. Add hedge funds, risk goes down. Add real estate, risk goes down. Add Bitcoin, which is the most uncorrelated asset that I've ever seen in my career. And I got white hair to prove I've been around a long time, right? It is 0.15 correlated to stocks, 0% correlated to bonds. If you add it to a portfolio of stocks and bonds, your risk goes down, not up, and your return goes up because it has volatility because it has a higher expected long-term return. So this idea that we should run or flee from a pullback is nonsensical. In fact, I say this all the time, investing, the only business I know when things go on sale, people run out of the store. And the cheaper the price, the faster they run. Just stay in the store. Buy some today, buy some next week, buy some the week after. This is this is a great place to, to end. And so the moral of this whole story is BTFD. Mark Yusko, CEO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. Thank you very much for coming on to the Crypt Daily. And I hope to see you back soon. Ah, love to do it. Thanks, Matthew. And in other news, this is a longer one today, so I'm going to try to keep this brief as possible. Operator of the world's biggest Bitcoin mine is Northern Data, and they're planning an IPO in the USA that could raise around $500 million. And this public listing could be launched before the end of 2021. So on my radar right now, there's this company and, of course, Coinbase launching their DPO, Direct Public Offering, which for Coinbase, they're going to be launched directly on the NASDAQ. Richmond's Federal Reserve Bank got a new chief innovation officer, and she is a self-described crypto nerd. Sunina Tuteja is now the chief innovation officer, and she's a big believer in Bitcoin and crypto. And this is important because, as you can see, people who believe in Bitcoin and blockchain and the technology and the innovation, the financial innovation, are showing up in different aspects of our government, from the Senate to Congress, the SEC, and now the Richmond Fed. So, slowly but surely, this idea is spreading. And finally, this is the headline that's probably gonna get me a little bit worked up today. What Janet Yellen gets wrong about Bitcoin. Look, be skeptical, be a realist. Look at it from different points of views. Always look at Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and anything that comes out from Tesla to the new iPhone with a critical view, a critical eye. But. If you're just going to only FUD and poop on different innovations and ideas and tech, 
That was supposed to be a swear word, but I'm trying to keep it PG these days. But if you're only going to poop on different innovations in tech, you're probably getting it wrong, especially when it comes to innovating the financial system with transparency and scarcity. I mean, I don't see, <laughs> I'm laughing because I don't, I don't see anything wrong with this. And we see it in tech a lot. People think they know what innovation is going to catch on and they know what's going to win and what's going to lose. And usually when it comes to big things, a lot of people are wrong. So here's some technology in the past that people just got wrong. Number one, and by the way, these are all arbitrary, but they're just really interesting things that we kind of got wrong or had a lot of FUD when they came out. Number one, the electric light bulb. Look, this is really, it dumbfounds me to think that the electric light bulb was shit on when it came out. They had a light bulb sitting there lit up by electricity and they would look at that and then look over at 20 candles and go, nah, those are going to win. Ridiculous. Number two, alternating current. Now, this one has a lesson within it. Now, Thomas Edison had direct current, as we know, and Tesla made alternating current, which was more efficient and more practical. But Edison needed to protect his money, his patent. Now, this may be more like Janet Yellen, who's trying to protect the old way, even though it's not the best way. Well, we know which one won out in the end. And it wasn't DC or the old way. Number three, the telephone. <laughs> they called the telephone hardly more than a toy when it came out. Like, think about that. Communicating across distance in real time is just a toy. I'd have to say that's lack of vision. Speaking of vision, the television was also getting shit on when it came out. And they called this device a commercial and financial impossibility. Airplanes, of course, is on this list. I think I was counting, but I forgot the count. So we're just going to move on. Airplanes is on this list, but it's because we weren't even supposed to fly until we flew. And then it doesn't even go that far until it went far. And it was only two people until it had 10. And then the 10-seater Boeing 247 would be the biggest plane that they thought ever could be built until they built one bigger. And then it could never cross the ocean until it crossed the Atlantic. And the Pacific was out of reach until they crossed that. And now we see where flight is today. Automobiles. Now, automobiles literally crack me up because you're literally looking at a horse pooping in the street, pulling people around. And then you see this motorized coach over here that's faster, goes farther, can be fixed, doesn't get tired. And you're like, the horse is going to win. I mean, that's just cognitive dissonance right there. And finally, the one that I would have got wrong, and I think has the biggest lesson in it, personal computers. When computers came out, they were big as a room, and they went like click, 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 and they did some rudimentary math, <laughs> you know? But with vision and innovation and hard work and seeing the potential in this device and really learning about it, well, we know what computers are today. They're in our pocket. They're recording this podcast. And it's only because of vision, of innovation, of entrepreneurship, of risk, that the computer is what it is today. But at the beginning, like I said, myself, I would never have seen that big monstrosity, loud, clunky, overly complex machine being what it was today. And it's what it is today because of visionaries that didn't mind getting shit on, but kept on moving forward. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Aaron. Don't forget to go over to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.